Boom, we're, we're live, gentlemen. Welcome to Podcast World. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> because nobody can see these, we're just sat here. Do you feel like, I feel like um, a radio DJ, and Bob certainly looks like one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got, got a face. On I've got a face for radio. That's Did for you sure. say you'd been, who said they'd been on radio? Who'd been on I radio? Had. You had before, before, didn't yeah. he? Radio Leeds. Yeah. <sighs> I were on there on that Liz Green show a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. Picking the songs of my years. Really? <laughs> You'd have had a big choice then. <laughs> I think what I ended up with, because we're going to talk about music today. Anyway, let's get into this. So this is a bit of a, a special podcast today for two reasons. One is it's the first podcast I've actually done away from my little studio. Right. I call it a studio. It's basically a tanked out cellar in my house, um, which I share with them um, for Daddy Long Legs and um, a load of old ironing boards. Nice bit, but nice on that. It's the first time I've done it away, and it's the first time I've had three people in one go. So I was going to say it's the first time I've had a threesome. Uh, <laughs> that didn't just sound right. Um, but it's the first time I've had two other people on. And today's special because um, I've got two people with me. One, uh, a gentleman I've not known very very long. In fact, a couple of weeks. So I met him last week. And then another chap who I've known um, a little bit longer than that. Um, five years, I believe now. It might even be six. I think it's nearly seven. Is it nearly seven? Yeah. So it goes. So, so welcome to Dan Woods and to Bob Proctor. Thanks for having me. Oh, listen, I have to say, I mean, I'm, I met you last week and, I, and you're primarily the reason we're doing, doing this because this podcast will have two purposes. One is I'm going to put it on my podcast, but also it's going to hopefully become your first podcast. So Dan's going to enter into the world of podcasts and I'm excited about that. But also you've got um, a, a moving story, an inspirational story, quite frankly. Um, that I learned about through Bob. So you mentioned this, you mentioned Dan to me, how long ago was it, Bob? Quite, now? quite a while now, probably six months ago. Mm. I know it was just before I was going on holiday and I went on holiday in July. Yeah. Right, right. And um, just to tell you a little bit about Bob, and I mean, he'll tell you about himself, I'm sure, shortly, but um, I've known Bob a while and Bob's one of these guys, I, I, I told him earlier, and I, and so I wanted to see how he reacted, um, but I've told him before. There are certain people, whenever I go into a meeting, or a room with them, you go into them, and some people you come out and you, you just think, why did I do that? Or, you know, my head hurts now. Why Trainers. did I bother? Trainers. <laughs> and other people, that whenever you meet them, whether it's for five minutes, ten minutes, all day, they always make you feel better. And Bob falls into that latter category. You are a radiator, Bob. Thank you. I've been called much worse than that, <laughs> so I'll take that every so day. So Bob's a radiator. So when you mentioned it, there's two things. Firstly, I knew that I knew Dan, you'd be a nice guy. Because he's also, as well as being a radiator, he's got a, a massively effective bullshit um, radar. Um, and and if, he, if, somebody, if he says, this guy's good, this guy's good. And um, he told me about yourself. And that would have been in July, and we were going to try to meet up with you. And it just didn't fall, did it? Things oh, kept so, coming so up. Things happened, and you've, you've had a busy 12 months down, <laughs> yeah. I think it's fair to say. Been on a journey, without a doubt, yeah. And when you mentioned it, and, and you, you kind of... Very recently, in fact, I think it was, it's actually the 7th of October, because it's only when you wrote this, um, Bob asked you to sort of think about writing down what you'd been through in the last 12 months. Yeah. Um, so I read that, Bob sent it to me, and uh, it just moved me. It's as simple as that. So obviously I've got the benefit of reading this. The listeners will wonder what we're talking about. So I just thought we'd spend the first few minutes you explaining your journey in the last in the last 12 months. In your, in your own words, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you've what you've read there was on 7th of October and was just a sort of outpouring of, of emotion really and, and feelings and, and thoughts that were going on through my head that began from 
from probably about this time last year. I think it was the the fourth of December last year, two thousand eighteen. Yeah, um, yeah, you've got that in there. I'd been I'd been struggling struggling a little bit with me uh, health wise. Um, I'd been to the doctors. They felt I had a stomach ulcer, and she was unsure about what how to go about it. She put me on medication, which helped, and um, she said, "Oh, we might send you to the hospital for for an endoscopy, which is where you put a camera camera down your throat to have a have a look what's uh, what's going on." So, just to put some context, this prior to this, you're because mm. there's a couple of things. You're a, you're a cricketer, very yeah. good cricketer. I've I've heard from Bob. <laughs> very good so cricketer. So you're a 32 year old dude. Um, dude, did that make me sound old or young? <laughs> old. I wish it did. You sound old. A 32 year old gentleman, um, and I know that you're you're a very good cricketer, teacher, and a very fit guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, just living a perfectly normal, very happy life. Married. Still married to an amazing, amazing wife, Heather. Um, got a really good job teacher that I was loving and cricket the cricket club was huge and still is a huge huge part of my life um and I was very very lucky privileged to be captain captain down at down at York Cricket Club which is how I've got to know got to know Bob Bob very well so I was just on that I'd a treadmill if you like really of just being me and living a living a perfectly perfectly happy life with a wonderful family and friends and yeah it was on that day that that everything everything changed really um went for my endoscopy I'd been told it was mad really because I'd been told it was um it was a pain-free pain-free experience um obviously having a camera put down your down your throat doesn't sound particularly particularly nice but everyone said oh you'll be fine don't worry about it um and I could I just had a little bit of a feeling as as it was happening that, that something wasn't wasn't quite right um and I hadn't really thought anything of it going in going into it and looking back I was surprised that that Heather was even there was even there with me um so can you can you remember why you you, you took her why did you, did you insist on coming or I think I don't know if maybe she knew that there was a bit more going on than than maybe I was aware of, um, and because we both worked at the same school, and they'd said, "Oh, do you want Heather to go along to your to your hospital appointment?" And I sort of thought, "Yeah, that'd be great." You know, maybe go out for some lunch afterwards and grab a coffee, miss a miss me double lesson and double lesson. <laughs> before and before I knew it, after me after the old camera down the throat job, there was. Um, me and me and Heather or Heather and I had been whisked into a into a tiny little appointment room in the hospital and we're sort of staring at each other thinking, Well, what's going on here? Because the results of the endoscopy we'd been told had would come back, you know, a week later. And all of a sudden we sat there waiting for waiting for a specialist, thinking, mm, not quite sure this was uh this was in the plan, sort of thing. There's a little bit I want to bring you back to before we go any further because the, you wrote this, and I think this this made me giggle. Um, it's it's the the fact that you weren't worried at that point as you waited for your endoscopy. You wasn't worried about what might this be, what would the procedure be like. What you actually were worried about was the fact you're going to miss a game of cricket uh, because of um, somebody who was getting married. Yeah, it's um, 
Heather's best friend, Anna and Chris, they were getting married and we've been Heather's bridesmaid and we'd been talking about it. And in the back of my mind all this time, I'm thinking, hold on, they're going to get married in the summer here. This is going to be a Saturday. I'm going to get in all sorts of bother if I, I can't miss a game of cricket. And I was just hoping that, you know, they could maybe try and sneak it in on a, on a Saturday. We didn't have a game. And the weather, the, um, the game, the wedding had been booked for for ages and all of a sudden as I was sat in this waiting room for me endoscopy I get an email of the cricket fixtures and I was straight away checking it and there we go I was like oh magic you know the season season starts the week week after so we were laughing and joking about that you know we didn't have a care in the world really and all I'm thinking about is who have we got first game of the season you know how am I going to get this Australian lad flown over from Melbourne and all this stuff and then yeah bang it all happened so you sat there waiting for these results and then um what's next as doctor comes in is this the same doctor taking through the endoscopy is it somebody yeah new? lady who sat um who did the endoscopy with us um she came in and said oh i'd sort of had a, a bit of a feeling that things hadn't gone quite right because it was quite painful the endoscopy and i thought this suddenly doesn't sound right and the um they kept going on about getting a, a getting a biopsy, and I'm really naive to all this sort of stuff. I was thinking, what's this biopsy they're going on about? And I didn't, couldn't really work it out. Anyway, she comes in and sits down and says, um, "Really sorry, that was uncomfortable, Mr. Woods." And I, I was apologising to them. I was saying, "Oh, sorry that you, you know, sorry it didn't go as planned. I, I feel really bad about that because I thought it was just an easy, easy process." And um, I don't know. I think Heather could work out something was was going on here, and I remember. I was sat and she grabbed my hand and just grabbed it really tight and the uh, the, the lady who, who uh, was in there to do the endoscopy just said listen we're really really sorry with the the camera wouldn't wouldn't go down your your esophagus um, it wouldn't get into your stomach um, there's, there's a blockage in your esophagus and we're 99.9 percent certain that, that that's that's a tumor and that you've got you've got cancer and um yeah it was it was it was a surreal experience you know um I mean, that's what that's what i really wanted to ask you because i suppose that would be my question to anybody is what what what's going through your head at that point because bear in mind if not 10 minutes early you're worrying about whether you're going to play on cricket on, on the same weekend as your friends getting married and all of a sudden then this person gives you this news so to, that surreal feeling how long did that last <laughs> are you still yeah, part in of it me, I think part of me still in it you know um i don't know if it'll ever go away um you watch you know you watch telly you watch films documentaries whatever and you you sort of th see people giving traumatic news and they, they burst into tears on EastEnders and things like that. And I, th I thought... <laughs> Do you watch EastEnders? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Bob, this, this ain't <laughs> now. I've not an EastEnders fanatic. It just came into my head. That's but. not what I'll be telling the rest of the lads in the changing room from um, now on. And I thought, you know, I thought that would be me. Floods of tears. I didn't cry. Um, I couldn't speak. And... Heather was and is unbelievable and grabbed my hand, gave me a massive hug and she literally just grabbed grabbed hold of me and just looked at me and I was in complete shock. I didn't, I, I couldn't, my brain couldn't 
process or compute what was happening and she grabbed hold of me and stared at me in the eyes and she just said everything will be okay and it was at that moment where I thought right okay we've got to I've got to pull myself together here and I've got to listen to what what the process is I've got to go through I've got to put my 100% trust in the in the specialists in the experts and I've, I've got to just let's just go through this this process in this moment and this incredible person my wife is sat next to me she's holding my hand we're going to do it together I've got to be be brave I suppose is how I felt it's interesting when you said that um, because I suppose I, I, I tried to put myself in those shoes when I was looking at you so I thought how would I feel because this podcast is about mindset and you had a mindset there that says I've got to pull myself together and now we're going to sort this out and I think you can go one of two ways can't you, in situations that are difficult you can, one is you can say I'm going to sort this out or other you can become very angry and blame other things mm. But you, I, I'm, in, I'm really interested that you chose not to do that. I'm interested in the fact that you chose that so quickly. Yes. Because it, I think uh, other people in situations go go the other way. I won't say feel sorry for themselves, but ang- get angry and blame other things and other people or whatever. Yeah. Why me and all that sort well, you, of thing. You've known Bob, you've known Dan a long time, haven't you, Bob? Yes, I think from 2011, so, 12. Which response would you expect him to have done? Knowing what you know of him on the cricket field, did you do you think that's would you have expected that response from him that I'm gonna yeah we we'll sort this out? Um, I can't say yes to that only because um, of what I know. Yeah, and what 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 I know is just unbelievable. This unbelievable approach that he's had to this from the second I knew about yeah. it. Yeah. And the positivity that's there is just something... I've never seen it as great in anybody. Did I know that he'd be strong? Or did I think he'd be strong? Yes, because I've seen him be strong um, on and off a cricket field. And I don't think people understand at York Cricket Club, it is a little bit different. There's a winning mentality there that isn't in every club and... There's an expectation there that's maybe greater than a lot of other clubs. But um, did I think he'd be as positive as he is? No, I couldn't have imagined that. It's really, like, it means a lot to hear you say that. And I'm very, you know, humbled by it. I think people have told me, you know, I've played sport all my life, cricket down at York and, you know, to probably to the best possible level I think my ability would 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 allow me I've given it and I still do give it everything everything mm. I've got yeah. and you know I, I strongly believe I do try and make the most out of of the ability that I have and I've been told from a young age really that I've got mental I've been mentally strong, strong strengthy which I find quite I don't know I find tricky to sort of process because how do you how do you judge mental strength mental mental toughness you know I've just gone into training games wanting like hell to to win and be the best that I can be and but I wouldn't I would I've never compared myself to others and thought you know what I'm I'm tougher than him I'm stronger than him it's Mm. just 
Well, your, your mental strength is one of those things. It's a bit like if you've got it, you, you maybe think you don't know why you've got it, but mm. you'll do certain things that other people won't do. That's why you're mentally tough. It's a, it's a, it's a way of thinking about something that, that there was a... <sighs> There's been a lot of stuff done over the years where they will um, interview people and find out what is the difference that makes a difference in somebody. Mm. And the reality is sometimes it's just something you have. Mm. And other people try to develop it, and there are things you can do to get mentally tough. But I think one thing that come across the minute I met you, it's coming through as we're talking here today, is you come across as being a humble guy, you know, very, very grateful for everything and, you know, happy with your life. And I think that's part of mental toughness is recognising that, you know, do you know what? I, I do my best, and I've done my best all along. But there's a humbleness about you, which I think is very appealing. Well, you know what? You know me, um, Gareth. Humility to me <clears throat> is a, a fabulous character trait. I don't have friends who aren't humble, and I've got some very successful friends, but they are the humblest people you you'll come across. Mm. That that's an attraction to me. It's why I make friends with that sort of person. Well, it's interesting that you mention that because I think humility and mental toughness, th there's something that's coming out there, which is those things are all quite quiet. They're not in your face. They're not boasting. It's humbleness and quietness. And, and people that I know that are mentally tough and they've always been very humble, Cal. It's very quiet. Mm. So the fact that you have this mental toughness will be a number of factors. It'll be a number of factors with your upbringing, maybe the, the, the circumstances with your parents. You know, anything around that helps us to build mental toughness. But yeah. also, this ability to, to, to play sport, I think, helps with mental toughness. Especially from an early age, because you, you, were you were a decent cricketer, Bob. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, in he, my he, world, he, yes. He told me he was. Um, right, he told me he was. Uh, I could play football. Could, definitely could play football. But, um, and you did have to be tough way back then it was a different game then as well but uh, even though I played it to a decent level um, I, I knew I wasn't going to be good enough and that didn't bother me that so I just enjoyed what I could but I do know what it takes to captain the first team at a club like York I absolutely understand that and it's massive it's much more difficult than people realise because it's not just about being on that field. Well, I think I'm going to have to done about that now. The other, the other thing that came out there, which I think is a massive sign of, of, of mental toughness and, and, and good mindset, is you said, I play cricket to the best of, of the ability I believe I've got. And mm. you said you knew mm. you were good but not good enough. Mm. One thing about mental toughness is knowing what you can do, mm. knowing the level, not, not deluding yourself into thinking I'm something I'm not. It's been no, the best version never of you. No, you should never lie to yourself. No. And most people yeah. go through their lives doing exactly that. They do. And, and, and I think one thing mental toughness is, is saying, do you know what? I will be the best version of myself I can be. Mm. And th this is one thing, me and Bob share one, one interesting point, which is neither of us got a lot of time for these gurus, have we, Bob? No, we don't, <laughs> we don't <laughs> like These kind of, and I'm not going to say t Tony Robbins, that, that kind of idea. I'm not saying Tony Robbins isn't a very nice guy and helps a lot of people he has. But these keen people that stand up and say, you know, just think big, you know, push, 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 hustle, <laughs> hustle. Actually, it's knowing itself. awareness is the first and foremost for me, the thing that you start with. What am I good at? What am I not good at? Yeah. And what level can I improve this at? So straight away, you're showing this mental toughness in, hang on, what am I going to do next? No feeling sorry for yourself. 
Did that ever come in, in the time since? Because bear in mind, we're almost 12 months since. Yeah, then. yeah. Well, Was it every time you start to feel uh, sorry <laughs> for yourself? Honestly. 100%. You know, there's um, there's a lot of intrusive thoughts that, that, that come into my, to my mind that have probably come into my mind all my life. If we're talking about my, my cancer diagnosis, yeah, I do have, I think it's only natural for me f- to to be angry, to get upset, to think, what, why has this happened to me? Um, and I do, there's those intrusive thoughts that come into, into my mind, you know, every day. Um, and I'm, I'm still trying to process and develop, develop strategies, strategies of, of dealing with them. And, but I also just think, look at back and, you know, sort of my life as a whole, I think playing sport has, has it had a huge influence on, on how I, you know, approach my life from, from a, from a mental point of view, but also I, I look back and think, feel like I've done things that have been mentally weak, you know, and I, I feel that like I should, I need to, I need to, should say that I'm not some mental strength hero here. I've, done things that I look back in my life and I think that was soft or you know I, sh- I should have been should have been a bit stronger there but maybe reflecting on that before my, my diagnosis has helped me perhaps approach this in a, in a stronger way and think well actually I, I could have done that dealt with that differently let's you know this is a great opportunity to, to show how strong I can be but also do you think that any we, we always need to look at what we've done and there's something I often say, which is there's no failure. There's just feedback. Yeah. You know, something happened. This is what I did. This was the result I got. And if you're happy with the result, repeat the process. If you're not happy, you don't. Yeah. Because I am I am really interested about how you became the captain of York Creek Club. Because I'm going to say this to you both now, and I'm not saying this to blow smoke up your backside. It's, it's a fact. The first time I um, went inside the York Creek Club was one morning I went across to see Bob and Nick. Okay. And we were looking at that time. That time I had a business and I, I had a, a proper job back back then, Dan. Um, and, 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 and we thought, well, we'll sponsor the cricket club, mainly because I wanted to support Bob. Bob has always supported me in anything I've done, and I'm eternally grateful for Bob's guidance over the years. He's, he's become my kind of um, voice of reason. I'm glad you didn't say guru then. I was going, <laughs> I had to change it, but... I went across and was so only the cricket club. The minute I walked in the door, the minute I met Nick... From that moment, my experience of that cricket club has been nothing but tremendous. Not just, not just the, the guys that I met there, but from people that were on the committee to even to people that were in the bar after games. And we've been to a few events there, and it's always been wonderful. And it's kind of got this feel when you go in there that it's a really wonderful place to spend time. Now that could all be an illusion that I've only picked up on the time I've been there, but I get generally get from when you guys talk that actually that's how it is all the time. It's yeah. like a family. Yeah, it's a community and it's it's a very very special place for for me, you know, in particular it's incredibly close to my heart and there is my family, you know, the the, the people there, the the players, the the players parents, everything it's a, it's a huge huge family to me and um you know, we are we're an amateur an amateur club who try to do things as as professionally as possible and you know, one of the proudest achievements of of my life is is um, having my name on that board of of first eleven first eleven captains and and having have had some 
some success in in um, in doing that. Well, let's, let's just let's not blow over. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about the success here because I think you've been very humble there, too humble. Let's talk about the success you've had as captain. So, what what did you achieve in that position? Go on, Bob. What? Come on, Bob. Because well, well, since two thousand and twelve. Uh, or 11, 12, um, there hasn't been a season, or I think there's one season where we haven't won um, a competition, and that includes um, the Yorkshire League cha- uh, Championship, which is never an easy um, league to win, despite what some people might say. The ones who, who knock it are the ones who never walked out into the middle and played a game of cricket at that level. And in amongst there, we've won various competitions, including one abroad, which <laughs> I'll never forget. Um, so we we did call ourselves champions of Europe for a, for a year, <laughs> um, and the national knockout competition as well, which um, is a very difficult competition okay. to win. You're playing against the champions from every other league. So, and now my experience of cricket is not huge, but I've played in a cricket team and. So, so that really, within a team, the captain's very important in a cricket team. Unbelievably. In fact, I would say in a cricket team, probably more important than a football team or a rugby team, the captain in a cricket team has a, has a lot more responsibility. Would you not agree with that? Um, yes, I would, because there's, there's more, in my experience anyway, and I'm not saying it's great experience, but um, there's more to do prior to and off the field than there probably is to do on the field. On the field is, you know, yeah, different set, different games present different set of circumstances, but um, once you're over that boundary rope, um, then you know what you've got to do. Getting the right mindset into those players yeah. to overcome yeah. what's going to, or what may happen on that pitch is huge. I think one... The huge aspects of of captaincy that that I that I loved was was the people people management of it and trying to understand. It took me a few years to to learn it and to grasp that <laughs> everyone wasn't a cricket tragic like like I am. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was it, I, I almost have grown a bit of a, a fascination in trying to to understand people and to work out people and how to get the best out of people and. That element of captaincy was um, was was what I loved definitely. So, so you got this this news. So, so you went to you got the news that you this, 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 there's a problem. This is the blockage. Um, the mindset. You know what? Let's see what we can do about this. So you will have left hospital on the fourth or whenever it was of December. Mm. So the thirteenth, which is not many days after, actually nine days after. Your health took from being perfectly healthy, no problems up to this point. You went to the dust on the fourth, got this this diagnosis, and it took quite a turn on the thirteenth of December. Yeah, things you actually things call your quickly. love actually moment. The love actually moment, indeed. Yeah, um, things happen quickly in that. Um, when I look back now, the the symptoms that I'd had were really mild if if that's if that's the correct word you know i was i was i felt tired but any teacher out there will tell you that in december you do feel very very tired i'd lost 
I'd lost weight, but I felt great about that because I'd been working quite hard on, on my fitness. And I'd had a sort of persistent stomach stomach ache feeling, which felt like indigestion sort of thing, really. But things did escalate as in that week to week to ten days to ten ten days later, in that the sorts of food that I'd been eating, I couldn't couldn't process, couldn't couldn't eat properly, wouldn't wouldn't go go down my 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 esophagus really. And um, we went to we went to Love Actually in concert, which was. Uh, one of the probably quite a romantic gesture for me, really trying to trying to get, <laughs> get a few brownie points in hey, before well, Christmas. Listen, if that, let me tell you how many brownie points you had because not only did Love actually concert, but you took you went walking the doll before Forest before. We, t- we went for a nice long oh, walk. Been, yeah, but that, in that night, that walking was, uh, along Forest in the Dolby and then to Love actually concert. Yeah, and in seriousness, it was a looking back, it was a it was a really special day because obviously we'd been through an unbelievable amount in the in the the nine, 10 days leading up to it. And I was feeling healthy. I had energy. We'd had a lovely busy day and it was normality. We weren't talking about hospital appointments. We weren't talking about PET scans. We weren't talking about cancer. We were just being us and it was awesome. And we had, we went to Love Actually in concert. Heather enjoyed it a lot more than I did. And uh, we (laughs) went to bed. Don't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) And next thing I know, um, I woke up and I was, it was um, paramedics waking me up as I'd, I'd passed out on the top of the stairs. Um, I didn't have, I didn't know at all what had happened. Um, I later, later found out that I'd got up in the middle of the night just to go to the bathroom and, and I'd passed out. Heather drung an ambulance, the ambulance came, I passed out again and I remember waking up and seeing the the white the whites in the eyes of the of the paramedics and that's when i thought right yeah maybe well i i obviously am i am ill here you know and we were we were whizzed to to the hospital i remember lying in a and e um and i've began to feel sick and (laughs) without going into detail I, i was sick and it and it was it was blood and it was the um later to find out again it was the the tumor the tumor was bleeding and and that was it and uh it was pretty serious i think at the time because when, when i read this that that was i think at the point you probably started to realize it hit me yeah. this stuff's got real yeah yeah and it hit you because i mean to look at you now and and i've, I've seen photographs of you when you've played cricket on bob's um on bob's facebook page you know you're a strapping lad you know you're what, six foot what Seven? I won't get that far. Six foot ish. Yeah. Six foot ish. You, you, you've got a good build on you. So you're all very, very fit, healthy fella. But yeah, you know, you, this is when you start trying to get sick. We mentioned the cricket club and you mentioned your team. And they, clearly, this is December. So at what at, at this point then, when you'd had this collapse, had you told anybody about your your illness? Had you shared this with any of your friends, family, everybody, or just a few people? Who yeah. knew about it at this point? That was so hard. That was really hard. I mean, I love my mum and dad to bits. They, you know, they've moved to the area to 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 live to live closer to us. And I mean, you're a 31 year old bloke. You've you're coming home from the hospital, and you've got a you've got to ring your mum up and and tell her you've you've just been diagnosed with cancer. You know, and I, I, that was the hardest. You know, I couldn't. 
really process how how I was going to do that, how how we were we were going to approach that. I must say the hospital are incredible in the support that they give. There's a, there's a charity called York Against Cancer at the hospital who um, give you unbelievable support and and try to talk you through through um, those moments and the just emotional exhaustion that that comes with it. Um, I did, I've got a key worker called Trish, who is an incredible person and the work she does on a, on a day-to-day basis is is unbelievable and so it was telling people that was that was really tough yeah so had you, had you told them prior to this incident on the when you felt when you collapsed yeah 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 uh as soon as as soon as we left the hospital on the on the 4th of december yeah you told them it was like right i've got to, straight away i thought i've got to go and see my mum and dad here and you know we went round there and that was when I, that was the first time I cried actually from from being told because, again, that word became becoming real. It was like, that was the first time that I'd actually said said the words myself. You know, so, so you're an emotional guy. Do you get? Because I, I, I do you, would you class yourself as emotional? Um, I feel I've become one. I've you know <laughs> become one. Are you emotional, Bob? Um, too yeah. much actually. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's um, a good thing. thing though. Though. I spend time trying to control that. Um, because I think you can lose a bit of um, um, control if you let your emotions Interesting. run. Interesting. That said, there are no rules. And with news like, who cares? Well, I think it's something, we, we talked about it just before we started the podcast, how certainly things around mental health have become easy to talk about and mention mm-hmm. their emotions. And I, I, I kind of brought up in a time when you, you held it in and bit your lip a bit. You know that, tri- that little bottom lip going? You yeah, know, yeah. we have that. So... You've told everybody this news that was difficult for them to tell. So, did they all? How did they take it? Amazing, amazing. Um, I think similarly, my dad perhaps has grown up in a in a similar generation, if you like. So that um, showing of of emotion and I think is 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 harder for for people who um, rightly or wrongly grew, you know grew grew up in that sort of that sort of time. But every day. He's been there for me as as, as obviously my mum is incredible, um, and then my friends become your family, and it's I sort of look back a year, pretty much a year later, looking back, and you have a you grow a, a support group around you who you know you can you can vent to and you can talk to, and they get a feel for where you're at. And they get a feel for if you want to talk about hospital appointments, oncologists, blood tests, scan results, or actually they get a feel for if you want to just park all of that and talk about, you know, the football at the weekend. And that normality that has come from being around some special people has um, has really got me through. So when did you find out about this, Bob? Did you find out about a similar time or was yours a bit later on? You first it was a little bit later on. Um... I mean, I'm a lot older than Dan, and although I can, you know, I count him as a friend, um, we're not in each other's pockets, we yeah. don't visit each other every week and whatever, but um, when you're involved in a club like York, which has got probably a thousand members, there's always going to be some difficult stories, and um, it seems to go through periods of time where, you know... Um, there's all sorts of things happening and 
you've got to attend ceremonies, funerals, whatever. Um, but when I when I did find out about that, I mean, we were just numbed, and I mean that. I know people will say things like that, but that genuinely happened. He's thirty. He was thirty-one. He's the captain of our first team. His performances, even up to then hadn't wavered at all and you still finished top run uh, top uh, bowler in the league that's that season and things like that and yeah we were still just stunned stunned and numb the reason I, I'm, I'm bringing this out now is because bob would have heard a little bit after the time because when you went and had this collapse and you get taken to hospital then they did a cat scan hmm. and that's i think when you you were told the news that this was probably a bit worse as yeah. it was inoperable yeah yeah, so I was in I was in York Hospital for for three days. Um, they they were monitoring me, um, and I'd had a it's a, a PET scan it was called, and um, that was booked in Leeds. So I was transferred. So what's a PET scan? Is that it's like a, a C, it's like a CT scan, oh, right. but more specific. Right. So, so they can really area. sort of it's like minuscule. They can really see yeah. what what's happening. Um, and I was transferred to to Leeds from um from york and again just talking about sort of mental mental strength and stuff you know <laughs> i look back now and i think wow was i there really because when we got to leeds i was put in my own i was put in my own room i had yeah. my own room rather than being on a ward and straight away my mind starts spinning i'm like hold on a minute All right what am I doing in my own room here? I was on a on a ward in ward in in York, and Heather's like, "Oh well, probably just not got any other beds. It's probably the only other bed going." And my mind's going overdrive here. I'm thinking, "Well, is this more serious? Am I, are they putting me in a ward because I can't be in? Are they putting me in a room because I can't be in an award next to someone? Is something going to? Is something really bad going to happen here? You know, what, are they going to come in and tell me something? I've got to be on my own. My, my mind is absolutely spinning. And again, it's, it's Heather to help me process that, you know, and it's like, well, what are the facts? What do we know? And it's, well, we know that things aren't great. I've got this illness and we know that I'm waiting for my scan. And that is it. That's all we know at the same, at this moment in time. So let's just live in that moment. This is where we are. Let's just get through tonight. And then tomorrow we'll bring something completely, whatever it may be. And that became our, our thought process, you know, what do I need to do right now? Because actually, what's going to happen tomorrow, I can't. We can't even think about or have no control over at this moment in time. I mean, that's a wonderful way to look at things. And 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 funnily enough, because the thing is, when Bob heard this news, this point, it, it, it got more serious. Cause I think once you first heard you've got cancer, then the answer is okay. How do we resolve this? How do we yeah. put this right? Yeah, yeah. And then that was clearly your mindset. Oh yeah. And I think that living in the now is an important thing. I know we've talked about this now. It's all you've got. It's all you've got. And I don't. Know if there's, a, there's a powerful book you might have read it called The Power of Now. Mm. The theory behind it is in the moment right now, you're all right. Mm. Even if you've got bad things happening right now in the moment, this second, you're okay. So having that again, how you and Heather come together and say, right, are we going to sort this out? And I think that's the one thing that started to come out when I talked to you last week, this idea that always oh, this analytical way, what do we do next? What's the next process? Yeah. So you have this scan, this PET scan. Yeah, we've got, this, got the results. How long did the results take to come back on that? Again, the hospital were brilliant. Uh, it was the next day. 
Um, oh wow! Yeah, it was fantastic, and um, <laughs> it was five o'clock the next day, so it was a long day. But in in the reality, that was amazing that we could get it done so quick. And I sort of think about how I am, my personality, and how I, how I am, and I've, I always feel like I've wanted to be a, a people pleaser. I've always worried about what people think about me, and. I can hand on heart say that this, the oncologist that I met for that 20 minute period at Leeds Hospital is the only person on the planet who I have not worried or cared about what they think about me. Okay, can I share this down what you wrote? Do you mind? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Very polite way of putting that down there, but let me say, um, bloke comes in, gives me a listen, he's there, I think he's a dick. I want to punch him in the face. Heather holds my hands tight. So I just think what that, I love that reading that because that was kind of the sense in your writing of the emotion coming out that, hang on a minute here, what you're telling me. Yeah, yeah. So he told, well, he told us that the the cancer had spread beyond the wall of surgery, which meant that it spread in the lymph nodes to a, to an area where they they could not operate. And what, what was heartbreaking about that was that the previous day, I'd I'd met the surgeon who was going to do the operation and he'd come wow. in and he'd shook my hand and he'd explained the process and um he said yeah we're, we're all I'll be the one doing the operation and um you know we obviously scan results will come and he said if the scan results show show that they can't operate then then you'll live in what's called palliative care and that just felt overwhelming really the the prospects of living in in palliative palliative care those words you know made me feel numb going back to that word um and it turned out you know the the scan results showed showed what they did yeah i think this this because this will be the point that bob will have known the news then that you're now hearing that the the, the cricket the captain of the cricket club isn't isn't has now got a soft esophageal cancer and is in palliative care that I can see why that would influence the club in a big way. Massive. Um, and I was told that by the club secretary, who I'm, I'm always grateful for the fact that he rang me to tell me rather than how everybody Announce else might it. have found out and whatever. Um, and my first reaction is, right, I need to know, am I all right calling Dan and can I speak to him and... Um, he said, "Yep, yeah, he's great. He's happy to talk to people. He'll 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 be pleased that you you get in touch." And I think I had to that whole twenty four hours, and I mean twenty four hours. I was sat thinking, right, what do I say? How do I do this without saying the wrong thing or whatever? Um, and I just rang you, and we mm. talked as we always talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's important, you know. Those, that, those words really hit me, the palliative care, if you like. But when you actually find out what, what that actually means... Well, it's quite serious. Yeah. But it, in some ways. I'll tell you what, is, Bob's now... We're going to have to just... Because Bob's <laughs> leaving for a second. So if you oh, any noise, Bob's leaving. He's having his car cleaned. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some bloke around to valet his car. Oh, Bob. But it's... Oh, the other half one. <laughs> I washed me on with a rag. That's right, yeah. So, I mean, because... 
a lot of these words, I think, you hear them, like you wear the word palliative, you wear the word cancer. Yeah. You don't understand them in the context exactly. of what they mean, Exactly, this is the you? point I'm trying to, I, want to, I want to make, that palliative means it's, a, it's an illness that can't be cured, but that doesn't mean it can't be lived with, it can't be controlled, it can't be maintained, and you, you live, you can, you can still live your normal life and you can still do what what you want to do with you, with your wife and with your family with your friends i think that's so so important and it, it you know i didn't know that at the time and so we'll, we'll explain that to you because i think that the interesting thing that you say that the thing that i like about this that you're saying is i wonder how many people if they knew what palliative care was if they understood a bit more about the terminology beforehand it would make them easy. It would make it easy to get maybe some of the information. Yeah. So, yeah. What, so did you who told you about the, the the fact that palliative care was not this is the end. You've got two weeks. Palliative care is you can live with it. It's manageable, and so on and so forth. Who, who, who was this? Your care worker or was this the hospital? Initially, it was Heather. Again, you so know, she, she I, did the googling thing. Yeah, I've never, I haven't googled anything, um, and Heather, Heather does, and she gives me the information that she knows I can 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 bounce off and can can um get inspiration and, and positivity from and when she explained it in that way i was i could process it i could get my head around it and um again the nurses the macmillan nurses are incredible and they they explained it in a in a in a positive positive outlook you know so apart from this because from it would appear that apart from um Doctor Miserable. Um, <laughs> I, in fairness to him, I, I must I must say this: he, he must that must be an incredibly difficult thing to have to do as as a doctor. I know they're trained for this, yeah, but um, our doctor can never become comfortable telling somebody this is a lot worse than you think. So, I, so I think sometimes I always I always do this. My mindset is: if people are sometimes awkward to me or funny, I wonder, well, did they feel upset and uncomfortable telling me? Oh, without a doubt. I mean. <laughs> I think it was. It, so this is not a reflection on that that doctor as a bloke. It's a it, the my feelings were a yeah. reflection on on the the words that were coming out well, of his mouth and the news I was being given. It's funny because having understood the story to this point, there was this positive. Pos- that was the first time I kind of sensed in your mind a little bit of anger feeling. Oh, why? Yeah. Why this is not right? Yeah, and 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 I think that sometimes that's good to have. By the way, because I think mm-hmm. that kicks you on to okay, I'm not having this. What's next? Um, you do tell an awfully nice bit here about as well, because this is very close to Christmas. Christmas lunch comes up. Yeah. So, I'm, me and Bob like to talk about food, don't we, Bob? Um, by the way, I'm back. <laughs> He's got the guy now. So if you hear a lot of noise in a minute, this is just about to set off an industrial. It's, it's embarrassing. This. This is the first time I've ever had my car valeted. It needs it, and uh, of course. These two lads are winding oh, me up about it. Hey, hey listen, it's, 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 I just wonder if you can do mine at the same time. <laughs> actually, he was going to do it's, yours first. Was, <laughs> buy will get one free. No, um, so it's coming to Christmas. So I want to talk about the Christmas lunch, but now Bob's back. I want to just kind of go a little bit further with that the, the, in, in within the cricket club. Because the thing that hit me about this, and it's unavoidable, Dan, is the fact that the word cancer, the word inoperable, that sounds terrible. But when you add that to this guy's 32 years old, it takes a whole different meaning. Mm. I think that's what hit, certainly me, more than anything. 32? Uh, it's ridiculous. But then, 
He looks when older. <laughs> Don't you think? But then we, I'm saying nothing. <laughs> but then when you 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 become you put it in perspective and you look at other th- other things where kids have cancer and things yeah, like yeah, yeah. you very quickly turn that around and um yeah easy for me to say because it, it it wasn't me but you're accepting of the situation and then I went into as Dan's friend just the thought process of right what can I what little bit can I do to help along the way whatever that may be well that the thing with Bob is and and you may know this for I know this indefinitely I'm sure you do is that if there's any any help required you know you don't have to ask Bob but you almost assume and you shouldn't assume and I will never would but you always know Bob gonna let, he's not going to let you down he's dependable and I think having, knowing people like that and some kind people, and I would guess as well there are a few more on the cricket club in oh, a similar vein. Some amazing fellas. Amazing. You know, and how does this make you feel? Like, cause, you know, you, are you an emotional guy? And maybe I'm sometimes. I mean, you've watched Love Actually, so you, you know, <laughs> you're going to be fairly emotional to watch that. <laughs> That's right. I was made to watch that last year. I've got to be honest. Um, I, it's, a big, it's, a, it's a chick flick, isn't it? It's a chick yeah. flick. Yeah. It's a Christmas chick flick. Alison will already Guilty. be on the hey, well, list. I don't so. know you did, just to go off a tangent a bit, but a couple of weeks ago, um, Sue, my partner, wanted to watch a bit of a girly film and I put it on. Only only because I knew that this week on Netflix there was The Irishman coming out, which is a yeah. new Scorsese movie. I've watched it. Uh, yeah, what do you think? Very disappointing. Uh, it won't brilliant, but we're long. But it's kind of, this, is this how it works in your household? That it's chick flick, bloke movie, chick flick. Does it work that way? <laughs> Just uh, chick flick, chick flick in my house. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Sky Sports, chick yeah. flick in no, my house. So, so you've, you've got this news and you're not emotional, but what did, what did you feel when you realised that the entire cricket club was behind you on this? Never mind, you've just got Heather there, who sounds an incredible woman. Um, yeah. And, you know, you've got your parents who are supportive and I'm sure you've got your close circle of friends that we all have. Yeah. But then to know that the club's there as well, that must have... I felt inspired and, and overwhelmed. And the the support from the cricket club was unbelievable, but actually the support of the whole cricketing community, you know, all of a sudden my phone's buzzing and I'm getting messages off people who I've played cricket against who, to be polite, I thought they thought I was a complete idiot because I probably have been a complete idiot on the pitch. And I'm thinking, what a, like an amazing message here. And phone calls from people at, at Yorkshire, County Cricket Club and I'm it was inspiring and it made me think right there's a lot of people here thinking about me looking out for me wanting to know how I'm doing I've got to I've got to be brave here I'm not gonna I can't hide myself away in in the you know my four walls and and watch Sky Sports Cricket all day I've got to crack on and I've got to think about everything that that I can control and get myself as strong physically and mentally as possible to 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 fight. So part of the, the although this was in, they, they couldn't operate at this point because you'd split your lymph nodes, but they, they put you on a course of treatment, chemotherapy. Chemotherapy started so very quickly. That was twenty yeah. eighth of December, one yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So prior to this, we're going to come back to this. Is last yeah. year's Christmas lunch? Because me and Bob talk about food yeah. a lot. In fact, I have to say this: in my transition into not eating plant, uh, not eating meat, um, I used to eat um, meat on two occasions. It was always when I met Bob throughout the year. We sneak blame me. Blame Listen, me. Listen, it took it me. Was last, your guilty let me secret? Tell, let me tell you what I did last year. This is how cruel it was. 
So he knows I'm kind of trying this plant-based thing, you know, and my missus you know, knows that I'm going out with Bob, and, he's, and he says, we know we meet in a coffee shop or somewhere nice, Browns in Leeds, oh, nice. He says, I know this greasy spoon just outside York. <laughs> Do you fancy it? <laughs> I thought, oh, Bob, you dirty man. <laughs> of course I fancy it. So we turn up to this place, right? I really <laughs> don't talk like that, do I? <laughs> But we turned up this place. Nobody there apart from me, Bob, and two people um, kind of uh, behind the counter. And I have to say, I had the best cooked <laughs> breakfast I've ever had <laughs> in my lifetime. And I, I, I had, you know, all the bacon. But anyway, we're into food. And, and we, have, we talk a lot about it. But this was a great breakfast, Bob. And it, that was the last full English I've ever had. Really? So We need to go again. Let's <laughs> <We need to, laughs> go now. <laughs> Don't tell Sue or anybody else. But so we're talking, and food's important. And um, you talked to things a bit about, you know, you, you know, me like your steak. You mentioned steak, Sunday dinner, and pizza. Mm. But you'd, your Sunday or your Christmas lunch last year were a wee bit different. Yeah, that's right. So my diet was soft and mashable, was how it was described <laughs> by, the, uh, <laughs> by the doctor, because simply because I couldn't, couldn't process, process meat or, or stodgy, stodgy mm. food, which. Um, it was tough on Christmas Day when the family are, are getting stuck into the the turkey and the and the Yorkshire puddings and everything, and I I was there with me with me scrambled egg, um, and salmon mousse. Salmon mousse. Come on, yeah. don't forget the salmon mousse. Well, my you know, mother-in-law was incredible in providing lots of soft and mashable options, and there was salmon mousse and scrambled egg. Yeah, um, but touch wood, it's amazing now that I can, you know, I can, I can eat eat really well and I can and eat, eat the foods that, that I thought on that day I'd never be able to eat again. So you started chemo on the 28th? Yeah. And I like the bit you when you're talking about chemo and you've mentioned this because I, I, did, I don't understand about chemotherapy, I've got to be honest, and I, I didn't realise, and it's quite interesting you talk about how it has an, an, an effect mm. first couple of times, because we, we, we all hear that it's a horrible thing to go through, people that I know have experienced it said it's horrible, but it's not horrible to start with, is it? It does it. What's the word you use? Yeah. It, it's a, it builds up. It has a has a cumulative. Cumulative. Effect. That's the word. Yeah. Um, initially, I found it quite manageable. Um, it, what chemotherapy is doing is poisoning poisoning your body. You know, to to hopefully kill the the bad cells, the cancer cells, but it, it's also also killing killing the good cells in your body. So your your immune system it becomes shot. Um, initially, I felt hungover was how I would describe it and I've had <laughs> a lot of bad hangovers in my life and they were they were some of the, some of the worst um usually of, celebrating yeah. championship <laughs> wins yeah. a lot of a lot of tiredness and and sickness and feeling feeling very very lethargic um the the whole process of beginning chemotherapy was is a bit of a whirlwind um there's a lot there's a lot to it that you don't really think about um so obviously as a newly married 31 year old bloke trying to start a family is is was at the top of the of the agenda the list of list of priorities and um with the chemotherapy with the the poison in in your system a a trip to Seacroft fertility clinic was uh, was required before before we could start the the chemotherapy process um and there was a lot to a lot to go through as a as a couple leading up to to the start of to start of, of my chemo, without a doubt. 
So, so do you feel that this this experience you've had up to now, um, this sounds to me like you know you've really found strength in each other as a couple, you and Heather. That this fact that you can look at this in kind of a very constructive way. And we talked about the kind of in 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 the club how the um, the club sort of come around and they're, they're happy and they want they want to help you do whatever they can. There's a bit you you shared in this, and I keep saying this, and there's a, and it might not be relevant if, to people if they listen they won't understand what I'm talking about. Bob um, Bob gave me a, a blog that Dan wrote, and it's an interesting because I, I, it's it's kind of your story in mm. eight pages. And you you do bring out a thing here about what Lance Armstrong quoted in his book. And whatever you might think of Lance Armstrong and his situation with cycling, the fact is he did beat cancer, um, quite an aggressive form of cancer. I was on my hands and knees fighting nausea. I'd feel like all my vital organs have gone bad inside my body. Yeah. I don't sound pleasant. (laughs) Although, um, you know, it doesn't. Lance Armstrong's book was and is a a huge, huge help for me, actually. And um, because he was on a drug called cisplatin, which is the same chemotherapy drug drug that I had and I was really really struggling with it to the extent where I couldn't walk from you know walk from my my bed to the to the to the bathroom um I couldn't walk up the stairs my my legs were just were just sort of giving up on me and I was falling over and I mentally I found that really really hard to 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 process how how and, and why that was happening and then when I read when I read his book and and the inf- and how he he reacted to chemotherapy as probably one of the fittest blokes on the planet, I sort of thought, well, hold on a minute. If he's if he's struggling with this, then I maybe need to stop being a bit hard on myself and and accept that I'm going to go through a rough patch here, and I've got to listen listen to my body. So now one of the concerns you had was you thought when you did the news that were it, you know. Not only have I got an issue here, and this is life-threatening, I'm not going to be able to play cricket again. My cricketing career's over. Yeah. So at this point then, when you can't get upstairs, all that sounds very plausible. Without a doubt. And it was um, mentally became tough to, to sort of process how my, my body was when my, my mind was still very, very active and still wanted to to live the life that I'd, that I'd had before before I was diagnosed, you know, very busy loving my job as a school teacher, loving playing sports. And all of a sudden now I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm, I'm almost, I'm so almost when this down? When, what month were this? Cause where's this in relevance to the start of a cricket season? Is this, uh, this before, was before it or? good question leading maybe a couple of months before the start of the season. Yeah. But the, I sort of got in a, became in a cycle of, of chemotherapy. So it does have a cumulative effect and the more and more, cycles and the more and more rounds I had the, the the harder it got um but I managed to find a routine and a, and a structure and that helped me a lot mentally and it, it helped me me deal with what was happening and that it was like right uh, my chemotherapy's here it's going to hit me for could be a week could be four days three or four days i've got to i've got to listen to my body during that period and if i sleep if i rest if i eat fingers crossed if i can as well as possible and drink stay hydrated my body will recover and i learned eventually that my your body does incredible things and i knew my body would recover and then as soon as my, i felt my body had recovered it was like right 
what can I now do? What can I now control to get my body and my mind as, as strong as possible? So my best mate's a, a personal trainer and I started hitting the gym with him pretty much every day. And I went to counseling to get my head wrapped to learn processes and ways of dealing with, with these emotions that were going through my head. So did you find the counseling? Did you enjoy that? Or yeah, I find that, it really good. I find yeah, it really helpful. Yeah. And I know it's not for everyone and I know some people find it, find it quite tough. Um, I find it really helpful from a practical point of view in giving me mental strategies to deal with intrusive thoughts and also a little bit from a from a scientific point of view in that my counselor explains to me how your brain and how your body reacts to trauma and to um receiving information and going through experiences that you'd never ever have possibly felt would happen and actually i found it so helpful to realize oh i'm thinking these things and my body's reacting this way and actually this is natural because of the experiences that that i've had so knowledge becomes powerful when you know what's yeah. happening and what to yeah know. yeah i mean you mentioned the, the personal trainer there because um i do know that bob's also had experience with the personal trainer <laughs> for something and i wanted to, to ask bob about this we have mentioned it earlier i wanted to, the people the listeners to listen to this because um we're just going to put it on hold a little bit, your story. Yeah. Just where we are there at that point. Yeah, yeah. And I want to bring Bob in because, firstly, at this point then, at the, at the cricket club getting sort of, is it getting back to what's happening and now the chemo's going? Is, was any of this happening at this point? If I'm honest, no. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I didn't expect a bulletin to come out from the club. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's not how it... it but I mean, amongst the, amongst the members... Um, uh, I, I I got my information either directly from Dan, yeah. from Nick, uh, who's the secretary, or from Nigel Durham, who's a doctor. Well, he's a consultant, um, and, and and I know Nigel's been absolutely immense for you. Absolutely, um, it's in his nature. He's trained to, and he's 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 just excellent at that. I'm the sort of person that'll ask the question. So I was always asking on a, I won't say day to day, but certainly week to week basis, because I wanted to understand when I could talk to Dan without intruding on everything else that must have been going on. Everybody must have wanted to do something, or a lot of people. So um, the discussion, I did find that people started to come to me to ask about him. Um, and I was very careful about what I said. One, because I didn't know everything, but two, I didn't want this to be idle chat or that sort of thing. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's got a phone call coming through. I love it. Um, but but you th I think, because the reason I, I was going to ask you about that was because you, you've always been, for me, a very caring guy. Um, knowing the club as I know it, which is not huge. I am a huge expense to York, but it did feel to me straight away as, as a family. And this idea of knowing what's happening to somebody in your family or your friends is very important. So I think we have to look at difficult illnesses in two ways. It's not, you are going through this, this is a fact. 
And for you, by far, you, you, it's the acute, the, the acute end of it. But there's also the other people it affects, just some things that are tough in life. And I don't know how you found this, but I know in my experience, when somebody's going through something difficult and they are showing a strong mindset and they are going through it strongly, that is a huge thing for the people close to you because you think, oh, thank goodness for that. He's, and the, he's and those it. were the people that I yeah. tried to talk to, like Duncan, who I know is, is Dan's best mate. He, he's a personal trainer. I'd used, used him to trained me to get through the you know the Sahara trek that I went on all those sort of things right, and Bob, I you, know, can't, you can't just fly over that he flew that yeah. past then he, 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 yeah but the Sahara trek so, tell now, us about the Sahara no, trek no I'm not telling you about the Sahara trek I'm more interested in telling you about Duncan yeah. because I knew it would affect Duncan enormously enormously but he just stepped up didn't he oh unbelievable unbelievable yeah. absolutely and if you know Duncan Snell, you know how good a cricketer he is. You know, you know how good a man he is, which is even more important. And everything that you or I, but I understood about Duncan came right to the fore, and he was right there for you. I know he still is. I know. I know. So when you look you talk about the family down at york and everything like that and i know we're talking a lot of I've spoken a lot about york cricket club the quality of the human beings down there is unreal and that's what makes that place it makes it plays a major part in in i believe your story down it also has played a big part in, in your life i've i've experienced it and it's had a very positive impact on me being around positive people being around people that are going to help you look at something in a different way is vital because it's 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 the mindset you have generally is built on experiences or, or something that you have gone through or you have seen, and taking advice from others is huge. And I think that part of why I said I think it'd be great for you to do a, a podcast and then look at your own podcast is if we can give people hope that, that that things can improve. Because I think you know you're at this stage now where you're taking on your chemo, you're in a very bad way, um, and that that was at the back end of last year. You couldn't walk at this point, so the thought of playing cricket must have been a million miles away. Yeah, yeah, it was to be honest. Yeah, um, but you, the, I just, just gradually built up, and um, I managed to. I got over the, the chemo and the side effects that it that it that it brought, and I found a, I found a routine and a structure that allowed me to to get into the gym and to build my strength up and. I just went, I tried it, you know, the summer came around and playing cricket has been since, you know, very, a very, very young age, a huge, huge part of my life. And it, it gave me a huge motivation to think, well, you know what, if I can get through this and I can play cricket on a, on a Saturday, it's given me that, that structure, that routine back in my life. I'm, it's given me normality. I'm in and around all my mates. I'm doing what I love. And that, that was my that was my goal every time you know <laughs> when i was throwing up when i was falling over when i couldn't sleep at night it was thinking come on just you get you you're going to get there this was what the the really when i mentioned the book earlier on about the man's search for meaning that mm. was having the why that's your why yeah, why do yeah. i why am i going through this why do i need to push on through it's because of that you've got your friends and your family but also that i want to play cricket again um you did play cricket again um, in the summer, and uh, there's, in fact, I understand you had quite a decent game 
um, in Scarborough. <laughs> so let people explain this. If you, if, you are, if you are listening to this podcast and you don't know anything about cricket, this will make more sense. And certainly if you're not in the UK, because I know there are some listeners that are in certain parts of America and, and things. And cricket's a big sport across here, but Scarborough, as far as Yorkshire cricket concerned, is a big deal. Because it's, it's quite a special ground, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really, really special ground. Um, you know, they play county matches there. It's a stadium, really, which for us little amateur cricketers to play to play at a stadium is, uh, it, you know, is, is fantastic. And it, it's always one of the first games you look at. And it's just got a real special feel about it every time you go there. And it, it was a big day for me because it was um, it was the last game of the season um my family were there all day and i just it just had a real the whole day had a took on a a, a special a special feeling really and and we won the game and it was a really emotional day looking back at it being around my friends and my family and everything that had sort of happened and that i'd been through physically and, and mentally um all sort of came out in a in a bit of an outpouring of emotion after the game, if I'm honest, yeah. Well, we won the game because Dan took five wickets, which is no mean feat when you're 100% fit. So it, it was a really, when I, when I heard it, I thought, again, I don't understand taking five wickets is a big deal. Um, but we talked about this this outpouring of emotion and, and that's a beautiful example of that outpouring of emotion in a positive way. Um and the reason I wanted to do, did want to mention the Sahara that Bob flicked over very quickly is because we talked about this earlier about the outpouring of emotion because you, you did walk how far across the desert? 105 kilometres. Not, not that I know exactly, 105.37. <laughs> and Harsh. But that 0.37 was the... 0.37 was the other one. Well, I, were, I, were, I could go on to other things, but I won't. The reason I say that is that is something, again, that we, we talked about this, that sometimes the things we do in life are personal to us. You had a reason for doing the mileage did, across yeah. the day, is it? You had a reason for wanting to play well at Scarborough that day. And actually, when we achieve that thing that's really important to us, there is that outpouring of emotion. And, and, and it's necessary because it's, it's the big deals. I mean, you t- you were there. I, what blows my mind about reading this is you couldn't walk up the stairs, you're throwing up, you, you didn't think you would ever play cricket again, and then to be in a position where you are, go out and have a decent game. And that's huge, man. Yeah, no, it was... Um, the humility. Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> it's hard. If it's, sometimes it's quite hard to... You know, when you word it like that, it is quite, um, quite hard to, to think about and to, and to talk about because... You know, I'm I'm not stood there, stood stood at mid off playing a game of cricket, thinking, hold on a minute. A month ago, I couldn't I couldn't walk up the stairs. I learn, and my approach to it is to live to live each day each day as it is. So I I really try to. There's been a lot of really bad days mentally and physically, um, but as a you know, I try to approach each new day as right. What am I doing today? And those moments and and days where where I was struggling, I find quite hard to look back and think of because mentally, Touchwood feeling quite strong and well at the moment, I'm I'm in a bit of a different a different place. I mean, look, you know, they, they, I would love to say that this this story's got a wonderfully 
happy ending at the answer is the moment it has got no ending it's very much no. still a journey that's ongoing and, and one that I know that Bob is, is massively um, um, interested in being part of as I am in, in how do we get you to tell people this story of what I believe is hope it would have been very easy I'm only coming from a personal perspective I've not been through this myself but it could, it could have been very easy at that point to, in, in December to say that's it hard enough give up yeah Um and, and I think some people must do that. The, the fact, some people must, because I know people that get a diagnosis three months later, they're away. You know, just gave up. There's nothing about anything you've told me or I've heard about you that says you've at any moment said, that's it. You've just taken every day as it comes. And I mean, I'm looking and I saw you last week, because I mean, you'd come from the gym, you'd been running, you're a fit looking fella. And I think that your mindset to get to this point now where you're always looking for the next thing to do, the next strategy, you've used that word a lot, I think has got to be a reason why you're looking as well as you are now. So when's your next um, set of results come back? Um, my next scan will be in February. Um, so that was a, a, a huge deal for us, really. We got scan results a couple of weeks ago, which said... Um, the 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 tumor is is stable is is being met is being maintained um and i can have a break off treatment for for three months which is incredible and again when i was in that routine and and structure of of having my chemotherapy every two or two or three weeks the 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 thought of having three months off treatment was uh was something that i've unheard of really so to be at this stage now is 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 amazing and fully intent of making the most out of out of my three months and getting myself as strong as as possible um and also enjoying real special time with with my wife with my friends with my family and you know if we can do little things like this and i can i can talk about what's happened and i can help one person who who might be going through a, a similar similar process i think that would be um, would really mean the world to me. Me and Bob, have, uh, we talked about something, it, it'll be a few years ago now we first started having this conversation. Um, we first met actually at, at a speaking event, and we went. We were okay. at an event learning how to be, the basics of public speaking, how you speak in front of an audience. Um, and I got to know Bob well after that, just like you, if you've experienced him like I've experienced him, he's a very uh, nice guy to know, um, easy guy to know. But from a, an early point after that, we often said the the importance of sharing what we've been through is is a is a healing process. We said almost it's like we speak to heal, speak to heal and yeah. and we talked about this that you know it's not about being inspirational per se. It's about when you share it with somebody else, um, it's massively powerful. I want to share this with you. I I was going home last week from here, and when I came here last week, right in the car on the way here. My biggest concern was the fact that my car needed servicing. <laughs> okay, right. Um, I'm in a process where I'm thinking, oh, I could do to earn a few more quid. You need to get out and think about how you're going to do that. I had all this superficial stuff going on in my head. Um, and when I met you last week and spoke with you, I went home with a completely different viewpoint on these things. I thought, car, job. And I started to have this sense that you just sharing what you've done and the inspiration you gave me in reading this document that you sent this this bit of writing and also I mean, the other day I thought it changed the way I thought. I thought how how selfish am I? To, all I'm concerned about is whether 
Audi is going to get some new brake pads. Um, it should get some new brake pads, but it's probably quite dangerous. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> the sparks coming out, shit like that. Uh, and there's a funny rattle. Uh, but I think that when we share our story, and I think you've shared it beautifully today, I've got to be honest. Um, and I'm so glad Bob's here. Because Bob has got this beautiful ability to recognise people that are kind, that are helpful, and always encouraging. Um, and I certainly don't know whether this would have happened if it wasn't for Bob. I don't think he'd have been sat con- contemplating no, a podcast. No, no chance. Um, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be sat here if it wasn't for for Bob suggesting it. And well, Bob said you got a great face for radio. I said I had. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll kind of roll it on now because we've been at this about um, an hour and a quarter on that time frame. Yeah. It has, yeah. I, um, there's a couple of things that I wanted to just sort of finish off with, really, because the story is ongoing. Yeah. We've still yeah. got the, the issue. You've still got your cancer, and that's managed. And I liked what you shared. Bob was out at the time. It was, it was really important that you mentioned this idea that palliative care was not what you thought it was. No. We think of palliative care as... You're gone. End of story. We'll just make it comfortable for the next few, whatever many days, weeks. Yeah, it's actually it's it's more about this can be lived with. Yeah, yeah. I can have a quality of life that's that's good, and I think by you sharing a story, not only inspiring people, you're also maybe taking away some of that myth that actually don't don't jump to conclusions. You think you might know what this means. Mm. Um, but you wrote the last bit in here, and I think this. I'm going to read it for you. Actually, I wasn't asking you to read it, but. Although you're not an emotional guy, I think you'd maybe find this a little bit difficult to read. So without judging, I'm going to say that. I love this bit. So you now go to the work, you do the gym. You're a blogger now because you've wrote this. <laughs> we're planning, actually, just so you know, we're planning on getting a podcast on for, for, for Dan. Um, are you happy to tell people what happened? Yeah, right? We're going to call it. Um, <laughs> I, well, I like the idea. Cause it, bales to this. So although he's no cricket, bales to this, it's... Um, Reference to them little two things that are on top of cricket stumps. Um, but the idea is it's, I think it's a wonderful way for Dan to talk to some people, some of his friends and some people that inspire him about how he's kind of said, you know what, each day I'm taking this as it comes. Come on, bring it at me. And, and, and I think it's a good chance that you can do that through this podcast. Bales to this. And we're also going to set up a little Facebook page. And again, you can share some inspirational stuff on there. So I'm quite excited about this journey. I know you are as well, Bob. Very much so. And Bob has been kind of let us use his house today, which um, I'm grateful for. And also, I'm sure that if we needed to, I'm sure the Creek Club would allow us to use some space down there to interview people. So I think the next few months for me have become, they're quite exciting. I'm excited about this because I think you've got a great story. I think if other people he talked to with the great stories will help people. Hope is a wonderful thing, giving people hope, a wonderful thing. Before I get on to this last bit, have you? What have you been inspired by by Dan in the last twelve months, Bob? Because I know you're a guy that's not easily not easily inspired. Is the wrong thing to say. You don't. I know he's inspired you a great deal. What's inspired you about what he's done in the last twelve months? I start from the position that um, we've been friends, even though we don't go out socially or anything like that. I've got respect for him for what he does down at my cricket club and it is mine just like it is everybody else's um what has absolutely blown me away is the positive approach to an horrendous set of circumstances or a situation um i i don't think i've ever met and i've i've been through uh this process before 
when my father had stomach cancer and he didn't approach it in the same way at all. Um, so we had to deal with that in a, in a very different way. But to see not just you, but your lovely wife, Heather, and some amazing friends that you've got respond and react in the way that they have is just, that is really inspiring, incredibly inspiring. I like that. Yeah, no, I think yeah, that's it. It's funny because you kind of sense that once we start to talk about this, there's always that little underlying emotion comes into us blokes, a little bit kind of choked up because it is, for me, it's wonderful to hear. You wrote this, and I'm going to read it out because I I, I found this. It, it's the last. It's powerful. It's powerful, and you know the rest of your stuff. I enjoyed reading, and I thought oh, that's quite nice. But this hit me, um, and it's this. So this was this was Dan wrote this on the. It was October seventh of October two thousand nineteen. So this is a couple of months ago now. You know, um, and. You're healthy now, looking forward to Christmas. Before we do this, because this is kind of the end bit, um, what are you fancying for Christmas lunch this year? <laughs> I'll any, be feeling... any scrambled egg and moose? No, I'll be filling my boots all being well on uh, on Christmas Day. <laughs> filling my boots. <laughs> Isn't that a great term? <laughs> filling my boots. He'll be in nice going out of fashion. You have to have a turkey to yourself. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So no, um, what's the word to use? Something mushable? What is it? Soft and mashable. Soft and mashable. I'm sure you will have a, have a great um, a great thing Christmas lunch this year. Right. So this was what Dan wrote in October. What I have learned over the last 10 months. Well, firstly, cancer is shit and life can be really cruel. But there's a beauty to life. I think we lose track of it. Life isn't about what phone you have, car you drive, job you do or holiday you go on. Uh, life isn't about the boring meetings where nothing is getting done. It isn't about exhausting yourself over work. Life is about people. Life is about surrounding yourself with the people you love. Life is about creating memories together, laughing, crying, being yourself and around those people that you love. Time is precious and life can be short. Don't waste it. That's one of the most touching things I've read for a long time Dan and I want to thank you for sharing this podcast with me today and Bob thank you for, as well for being here um, I've really had a nice time I've, I've loved talking to you I genuinely mean that and I always love talking to Bob <laughs> we're going to put this podcast up onto my podcast channel but it's also going to be on Dan's so you could be listening to this on Dan's channel which is Bales to This um, or you could be listening to it on the, the one that's Gareth Boot Podcast Breathe Away um, I'm sure anybody listening will agree that your story is massively inspirational I also think anybody listening to it will be wishing you the very best for the next 12 months. Thank you. Thank you I fully much. expect to be doing more podcasts with you. And quite honestly, I fully expect in 12 months time to be doing another one um, where we can discuss what you had for Christmas lunch last year <laughs> and this year. It could become like an annual thing. It could be, you know, like the Queen's speech. We just discuss Dan's Christmas lunch. I'd be happy with that. I'd from be happy from with soft that. and mushy to, um, to whatever. Um, so thank you, Dan. I really appreciate it. I love your openness and honesty today. And, and I'm sure that people this will have appreciated that as well. Thank you for using your house, Bob. And um, Thank you for doing this. 
Oh, listen, it's, it's a pleasure. <laughs> I've, I've really enjoyed it. So if you have any questions at all that you would like to ask, Dan, you can contact me on my website. If you go to gallopoot.com, there's a contact me section. Um, if you've anybody out there you think might be interested in talking to Dan on this podcast or people that have been through difficult things, especially maybe people that have gone through and overcome things around kind of serious illnesses such as cancer, and if you know anybody that might want to talk to Dan, just drop me a line on there and I'll make sure Dan gets it. And um, if you don't subscribe to podcasts, consider doing that. But do check out Dan's. I'll make sure there's a link goes in there. I'll mention it the next time I get the opportunity if we, once Dan's um, podcast is up there. But you will find him if you go to a, something called Anchor FM and you search for bills to this. That's where Dan's podcast will be as of tomorrow morning. Have a great weekend. Bob, Thank your you. car's looking beautiful. <laughs> Not yet, <laughs> but soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Until the next podcast, or next podcast, take care.